1: Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here, and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. As ever, I'm joined by Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you?
0: Yeah, all right. It's been a busy, busy month, which is why I'm, you know, we must apologise. The podcast hasn't been able to get out, pretty much purely because of logistics and where I've been around the world at <laughs> various times covering Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and it hasn't always kind of matched up nicely to do a podcast so but we're back now and um, we'll be back for the foreseeable future and we've got lots to talk about because you know whisper it quietly but things are going quite well at Tottenham at the moment <laughs> fingers crossed touch wood whatever superstitious stuff you guys do but things are actually going quite well so we've got loads to talk about and loads of little bits and pieces that I've seen and what we've gathered behind the scenes at Spurs as well as what everyone's been seeing Um, because things, in the words of uh, Harry Kane, seem to be moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, certainly. And as you were saying, I think probably about three weeks ago since the last podcast, it was certainly pre-South Korea and we'll uh, give you a bit of insight into Ali's trip into South Korea. Then uh, last Saturday's 2-1 win at Rangers and... There's just plenty to talk about in the world of Tottenham at the moment. So let's start with South Korea. Obviously, our number one celebrity over there <laughs> at the moment. You've overtaken Son by quite some way. George, just tell us about your trip to South Korea and I think what was a pretty memorable week for all connected with Tottenham.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible week. And, and may I just quickly say, there's nobody on earth that could overtake Son <laughs> as the most popular man in South Korea. Even you had K-pop stars turning up at the team hotel just to get selfies with him. He is just like a superhero there. He's just incredible. Um, and when he, because we, you know, the probably the most insightful thing that we got to see in a football sense was watching a Conte training session. Because it was our first real experience. And obviously, you know this very well. When we go and see like European training sessions, when they let the media in, we get to see a 15 minute snippet at the beginning, which is often just like a warm up fitness thing. So to actually watch a two hour, two hour plus training session with Gian Piero Ventroni, the fitness coach, doing the, quite frankly, brutal things. Um, I don't think Conte liked the word brutal being used in his training session, but they were gruelling. Maybe we'll use gruelling. But to see that in the flesh was just... That was an eye-opener. To see some of the most fittest, biggest stars in the Premier League, like Kane throwing up at the side of the pitch, Sonny collapsed. Honestly, when Sonny collapsed during the runs that they were doing at the end, the entire stadium went silent. It was like, oh, my God, they've killed Sonny kind of thing. It was just so like scary. Um, but no, Korea was amazing. Um, Funny enough, by the sounds of it, it wasn't actually as hot as it was back here for you guys. But humidity-wise, yeah, it was it was mad. It was just uh, it was so thick the humidity at times, which for those training sessions must have been very unpleasant. I think they looked every every photo I saw of them coming off. They just looked absolutely like they'd been in a swimming pool kind of thing. Um, But in terms of the tour itself, huge success on so many levels. Um, You've got. Pretty much, we'll go for the one negative. The one negative, of course, was COVID with Basuma and Forster. Of course, you've got to mention that because it messed up their preseason a little bit and they had to hang around in South Korea as well in their hotel room for another couple of days after the team flew back. But in terms of positives, uh, team bonding, um, all the new, uh, well, I say all the new boys, Richarlison, (laughs) essentially, Basuma and Forster before they um, got the COVID, uh, they are all bonding. Sonny took them all out for a team meal uh, for a Korean barbecue, which was a nice moment. Hugo Lloris told me it was like a, a really good kind of... Well, is that the exact word? He said? a good moment when the team just got to relax away from the coaches and just have their own little time together. Um, Fitness-wise on the pitches, you know, Spurs are going to be one of the fittest teams in the Premier League, if not the fittest, just what they're putting them through. Harry Kane says he's never been as fit in his life. That that is something that Conte has brought to his game that no one else has been able to. And Poch worked him hard. So to say he's got better fitness than ever before is is some statement. Um, And then on terms of the impact, I think, for Spurs for decades to come in in Korea is going to be huge as well. Because you just saw, saw the appreciation of what the Korean people had For Tottenham coming to their land, I guess. You know, Sonny himself, when all the players and the staff arrived in their hotel room, Sonny had uh, left little gifts and personal notes to them all, thanking them for coming to Korea. It's just such a big deal. And yeah, and as you kind of hinted at there, anyone connected with Spurs kind of had a little bit of celebrity status. There was like the the staff walking around the hotel, even like guys from the comms team or the social media team, just because they had the Spurs badge on their tops. People are asking for selfies and things like that. And, yes, I did get a little bit of attention myself. That is mostly due to Sung Mo Lee, who's a Korean journalist who used to be in the uh, in England covering the Premier League for years. Very, very well respected in Korea. Um, and, yes, he's been translating some of my stuff over there in the last year or so. So, yes, I seem to have become as like a Z-list uh, mini cult celebrity type among Spurs fans. And the interesting thing is when I say among Spurs fans, in Korea, we got this absolutely staggering stat. So, population of Korea, South Korea, 51 million. 12 million of them say they're Spurs fans, which is just amazing. And you can see why Spurs had absolutely no hesitation in going over there because finance-wise, the tour, they'll have come out of profit, despite the fact they took 107 people over there, Spurs, with them. You know, stayed at one of the nicest hotels in South Korea, the Conrad um, in Seoul they will have come home in a profit, and also for years to come. They, uh, they say the, the games had over 100, I think it was 108,000 people attend them, sold out within 20 minutes, both of them. Um, everyone, all the South Korean fans wearing new shirts pretty much that I could see, so they're all buying the shirts. Um, yeah, the impact now, I think this is the key for Spurs, it's to create an impact that lasts beyond Son. Because obviously Son is incredible, but he'll only be able to play for so long. You know, he's thirty now, and you know what? Maybe, maybe, hopefully, another five, six years out of him. I'm sure he's a very fit guy, and hopefully, that'll be at Tottenham as well. Um But you've got to think about the long term and and making sure that you are because they're the best supported team in Korea. So just to maintain that, I guess. But yeah, as an experience, incredible, absolutely incredible, amazing people, amazing place. I just wish I'd got a little bit more time to see more of it because Spurs tour schedule, normally they do 10, 11 days in places, but they only did like, well, seven, just about eight here. And so they had to squeeze everything into it. So we were just constantly going to event after event, which is great from a journalistic point of view. We interviewed pretty much every player. Conte, I spoke to him in two press conferences and we had a little kind of private huddle of our own, the UK journalist just standing around him having a good chat for about 15 minutes. Um, but yeah, I'd have liked a little bit more time to have a, a look round Seoul, and you know, as I keep telling my wife, it's not a holiday, but I would have liked to have the odd extra moment to have a little look round. But now, honestly, recommend South Korea for anyone.
1: Then on the pitch as well, it was certainly good for Tottenham—a six-three win over Team K League. It was sort of like a testimonial in the second half. Uh, obviously, we live-blogged the game and you were doing yeah. updates in the first half. And I was saying <laughs> to you, like, you've proper done me in here. <laughs> so I was doing the second half and like every player got changed. There was so many goals as well. But no, uh, certainly a good 6-3 win. Harry Kane looking sharp in that game. Son as well. And then Conte gave the likes of Richarlison his first start. Brian Hill had a, a go uh, from the off as well, so that was certainly a good win to start off the tour. And then Sevilla, three days later, a one-one draw Very
0: certainly wasn't. Uh,
1: yeah, certainly wasn't uh, a friendly. Uh, I think Son will agree with that after what happened at halftime with their uh, right back. I think it was Montiel. It was called. Uh, obviously, Richarlison and Christian Romero coming in, sticking up for him, close. dragging them away. Yeah, it was brilliant from both of them. Yeah, it shows they've
0: already, you know, such a strong unit.
1: Yeah, and uh, obviously a bit of a shame they didn't hang on and get the win. But, I mean, that was a fantastic goal from even Rakitic there to make it 1-1. But, you know, know, it's not just about the results in pre-season. It's about the fitness and just ensuring you are ready come the first game of the season. What's against Southampton? Just over a week away now. It's gone so quick yeah, this it's summer. A small, so a season isn't it? Yeah, it's crept up really quickly. And I think Spurs are certainly in a good place. Uh, did play well against Rangers on Saturday. 2-1 uh, win. I mean, we might as well get straight into the game at Ibrox. As you were there, Rangers 1-0 up at half-time. Probably a game where Spurs should have been winning at half-time, given the amount of chances they created. I know they were losing 1-0, but the good thing is they were creating the chances. The fact is, they just didn't take them. Uh, but some brilliance from Harry Kane in the second half, and showed sure they got the win. Uh, I mean, what did you make of the win in Glasgow?
0: Yeah, very different uh, to the Korean games. Um, although one thread that kind of runs through them all is I think Conte has very deliberately picked matches. He kind of hinted that this was the way he does it. He picked matches where the intensity is not going to really be like a friendly. Like you say, other than that second half against Team K League, every game has just had that little bit of intensity and bite to it. And even Team K League, all of their players are mid-season. So they're all sharp and fit and it's you know they're, they're, they're not lacking in fitness at all. So even that in itself was good for Spurs. Then against Sevilla, yes, some tasty challenges going in and a little bit of kind of uh, niggle around the game and people getting annoyed with each other, which naturally raised the the, uh, intensity. And then at Rangers, uh, amid the pouring Glasgow rain, it was an incredible atmosphere. You know, full house, sold out, um, the kind of the old enemy type thing, England versus Scotland. um, And... Yeah, the intensity was there from the start. Rangers clearly wanted to make an impact. Again, they're ahead in their pre-season. They're a week ahead because their season starts this weekend. So another good test for Spurs. And yeah, like you say, Spurs should have been away in the first half with the with, uh, efforts. I think Sonny set up a couple of chances. It Hoybier? I remember, back in one past goal. Uh, Kulisiewski kind of stumbled into a weak shot that the keeper saved that probably could have had a better shot than that. There were there are a few moments, um, but then, yeah, we just saw the class of Kane and Son come out in the second half with Sonny setting up Kane for two, and that first goal was just just vintage Kane. It was beautiful. Um, and then we had the lovely moment, which, you know, throughout the fans, I spoke to some of the Spurs fans afterwards, and, and, you know, the Rangers fans were giving them some during the game. <laughs> they were doing various things as well to try and wind them up. But when it came to Kane and Son both getting substituted, I think about ten minutes to go. They rose and gave them a standing ovation, which was just class. And and bear in mind, if you think about the rivalry between Scotland and England. They were standing, giving a standing ovation to the England captain as he walked off. Um, and I just think that shows the class of the players, um, just and the appreciation of the Rangers fans. To you know, not to to knock the Scottish league or anything like that, but they they are watching two players who Giovanni Van Bronckhorst afterwards called among the top 5 6 strikers in the world attackers in the world just world class and and you don't get to see that every week you know in in the scottish league of course not um and yeah no no so that was a lovely moment as well and some bright performances as well i thought Kulisewski was very good first half very bright um he looks like he's getting sharp i thought even perisic even though it was only a half hour cameo was terrific he really showed what he's going to bring um he is you know, bearing in mind he's been out since May with that calf injury, he came back and he looked like one of the fittest players on the pitch, obviously, albeit for just half an hour. Um, he was pressing high up the pitch, making tackles, did an overhead kick that went over the bar. In the last seconds, dinked in a lovely cross for Richarlison who headed over uh, – no, sorry, headed at the keeper. Um, what did he head over? I can't remember now. One I can't remember. It, it wasn't a goal. Anyway, Um <laughs> And Richarlison, you know, again, showed his versatility. I think I've been impressed with him in all three games. He hasn't scored yet, but he's always looked a threat. He's always looked dangerous. He's played in every role in the front three so far. Um, looks like they're going to try and use him as the cane backup as much as possible, unless they someone else pops up in the market in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, he played well. i trying to think of who else impressed me. Obviously, Lucas Moura is the right wing-back. We've seen a little bit of that over these friendlies. I'm still undecided on that, I think. Definitely when you're chasing a game, I think, as an attacking option, um, I think he he could be good there. I'm not entirely convinced I'd start him there. Um, Do you know what? I was thinking this the other day. If you could scientifically um, or genetically mutate uh, Lucas Moura and Emerson Royale together into one play you'd have a really good wing back because I think Emerson Royale obviously very solid defensively he's a good defender good solid fullback give uh, Lucas Moura's attacking tendencies shove them together and Lucas Moura's heading ability I think and you'd have a like a really really good wing back um, I'm intrigued to see what happens this weekend out in Israel with Roman who he goes for because I think You'd expect whoever he picks at right wing-back is likely to be the person that starts against Southampton the following weekend. Um, And obviously, Jed Spence came on for the last, what, 19 minutes. Good little cameo. First touch was a very good, strong touch in his own box to uh, stop an attack. Didn't really get to do too much attacking-wise. Also, Clement Longley came on, looked solid. Uh, I missed it probably because I was writing away, but someone mentioned that he played quite a nice ball down the touchline at one point as well to show his kind of uh, educated left foot, as they like to say about the uh, the old left-footed players. Um, I'm trying to think who else did that. Pearl Fraser Forster got booed mercilessly every time he got near the ball because of his Celtic past. Um, Basuma was quite... It was like a no-frills performance. It was solid. Obviously, he'd just come back from COVID, so he just got the second half. He did fine. Um, that's pretty much it really for people that stood out. I can think of Sess was okay. Um, Emerson Ryan, who played the first half. Uh, and yes, yes. Emerson just kind of doing the same Emerson stuff, you know, like I say, very good at the back going forward, just kind of stuff broke down a bit. Um, and it's going to be, I think right wing back is going to be his main selection really in the weeks to come. Obviously el- elsewhere, I think. He's got lots of choices in a good way. Right right wing-back, I think he's got to just find the right um, right person. So, who stood out for you, at Rangers? I
1: thought Kulisewski played really well, as you'd mentioned. And probably the good thing is he's barely played in pre-season so far because he yeah. missed the first game and I think he got 40 minutes or so. In the second game, he certainly looked right on it. There were a, a couple of instances in the first half where he's played pretty much clean through down the right, but then he always cuts inside onto his stronger left foot and yeah. that like pretty much closed the angle down on a, a couple of occasions for him. Uh, he wasn't happy at all in the second half when he got no. booked for simulation. Uh, I think he went down under the challenge of John Suter. Uh yeah, he was on a heap in the ground when the referee went over and brandished the yellow card. Literally got straight up, Harry Kane having to hold him back a bit just to uh, stop him getting into a bit of more trouble. Uh, so I thought Kuliseski played well. Kane, again, he's just looked so sharp in pre-season. Two yeah, goals uh, against Team K League. Obviously got an assist literally minutes after coming on against them in the first game. Uh, really well taken goal against Sevilla and I mean that first goal was just sublime you just can't show him inside and just give him that yeah. you know glimpse of goal because you know he's going to take it and the second goal was a really uh, good finish yeah. as well uh, just going back to what you were saying about Emerson I think the first 45 minutes highlighted why it was imperative for Spurs to bring in you know a right wing back this summer because were a couple of opportunities. I think it was one in the first 10 minutes. It was a break down the left and the ball ended up on the right. Emerson, really, really good position in the box where he should have shot. Instead, decides to pass it inside and, you know, Rangers come away with the ball and get it upfield and clear from danger. And then there was pretty much exactly the same uh, right before the halftime whistle where it landed to him again. But instead tried passing it. I think it was to Benson Kerr or Kulusevsky. You know, if Matt Doherty's in that position or maybe Jed Spence, then they take that opportunity. But Emerson is a right back by trade. That's where he's played his whole career. So he probably doesn't have that attacking instinct. The others do. So I think that shows why it was just important to bring in Jed Spence this summer and hopefully get Doherty uh, back on the pitch and back to fitness. I mean, he didn't even get any game time uh, against Rangers, what was certainly a bit surprising. Maybe it's, is he just not there in terms of his fitness? Is Conte keeping it a bit more careful? Or is he just simply wanting to give Lucas a chance there? Because there's potentially going to be opportunities there for him uh, during the season where he's going to need to play. Yeah,
0: because don't forget, Diot is kind of, who's mainly played on the left in preseason yeah. as well. That's where he's used him. I think that's the versatility. I, I just wonder, I kept thinking back on that, because obviously some people are saying, oh, is he now looking to sell Matt Doherty? I don't know. I think I just look back on it as almost like he knows what Matt Doherty can do, which is why he's been playing on the left. He doesn't need to kind of impress him on the right anymore. I think he knows exactly what he'll bring. And I don't know. It almost felt like, a oh, right, I'm going to use this preseason to have a proper look at... Um, what Lucas can do in the role. I'm going to have a give give Emerson another shot just to see if, you know, if he is taken on board and, and being able to improve in the attacking aspect. Um, and then we'll see Jed Spence as well because what I was told about Jed Spence is that, yes, obviously people will well know. It was actually, it was to my question out in Korea, um, Conte quite publicly said, you know, he's a club signing. However, you know, I've, you know, I, I've... He's shown that he can become an important player for us um, during his time at Forest. So, yeah, I think some people took that as, you know, oh, Spurs buying players for a manager he doesn't want again. And it's like, as I said at the time, don't worry. Conte would never have someone forced on him he didn't want. He greenlit that move. And from what I understand within the club, Jed Spence is a signing that Spurs would not normally have made for other managers. Uh, as a as like a, as a normal fullback, he's been very specifically targeted because he ticks every single box for a Conte wing-back. And Paratici went and watched him in the flesh to check that that was he actually fitted the mould perfectly. Um, and you can see it. I mean, it it, it shouldn't really be rocket science. I mean, he's got he's got height, which they need as well to get into the back post trying to score goals. He dribbles. Um, it's uh, we you know we've chucked out the stat before. I think it originally came from Squawker that. He completed more take, or at least attempted more take ons last season for Forest than the, every single one of Spurs' wing backs combined. Um, he's got pace, he's got skill, he's good defensively. People just think he's good going forward, uh, but he did create a lot of chances for teammates. His assists don't really show that because I don't think they put too many of them away. But he created a lot of chances defensively. He's very good. So personally. I think Jed Spence will end up being the number one wing back that's my feeling um but yeah I did, I did I did feel a little bit sorry for Matt Doty because <laughs> he came out before the match and he was like looking out across the pitch and he ended up being the only outfield player to continue to look out across that pitch because he never came on so uh, yeah interesting one
1: do you think Spence starts then on the opening day against Southampton
0: uh It depends on this coming, I suppose, this two-week period from the Rangers game onwards. Um, And if – because I think what they've been doing, from what I understand, they've been doing like little inter-house kind of matches on the training ground um, with with everyone involved and trying to get the fitness, the match fitness up of some of the new boys and things like that. So what Spence has been doing during those uh, training sessions and those kind of – they're not really matches. Normally, those kind of games, they split them up into thirds. They're like half an hour each way kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's kind of on him now to show Conte that he's ready, I guess, for that step up um, because it's one of those, isn't it? Does he go with what he knows, Conte? Does he go safe um, and pick someone for that opening day? Or does he say, okay, sink or swim time. Let's chuck you straight in. The Fitness will be an element of it. You know, he could that could be his almost like a get-out clause as well. And it could be the same with Perisic. He could say, you guys have joined us a little bit later. You're not at the ridiculous fitness levels I need and in a position that is the most fitness-reliant in the entire team. Um, so maybe he's not there for the first game, but I personally think... although saying that. I'm saying all this, and and we really must stress that Conte is trying to get us all out of the idea of there being one starter for every position and that there is meant to be rotating players in each match kind of thing, pretty much. He was saying that the other day. He wants, you know, we we need to be ready to expect that if Spurs are playing a Champions League game, then the Premier League games either side are likely to feature different people in different positions. And that's what he's been fighting for at Tottenham, is to get a squad that, that means there's no drop-off in quality when you do that, which obviously we saw last year. He could not do. <laughs> he could not rotate his team. We Well, we saw... Some of the European performances under Nuno and Jose Mourinho, where they just could not rotate their team whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of I feel that Jed Spence will end up being the right wing back that gets more appearances over the season. That's probably the best way to put it.
1: Because I mean, given the free options for potentially, if you're going to choose Lucas as a right wing back,
0: And Kulusevski as well. He's, he's, yeah, he's, the one. he's actually said he's a wing back as well.
1: There's one, potentially two, gonna miss out on the match day squad yeah. if everyone is fit. It's just
0: someone has to go, surely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't and, make
0: any sense financially either to do it. I mean, yeah, Doherty can cover both sides, but still.
1: I think if you're looking at it and catching in on someone, then it's Emerson just because of the market value. Doherty wouldn't bring as much in as Emerson would. So that's the one that probably makes sense. Whether that happens or not, we'll have to wait and see. But as I was saying, in terms of the squad on Saturday at Rangers, it was a 24-man squad. Uh, There was no Troy Parrott, no Harvey White, who have been used in pre-season so far. No Ben Davis, uh, obviously he came off against Sevier with an ankle injury and I think he's just basically taking it steady at the moment. It's pre-season, you don't want to rush him into it. You've just got to make sure that's right. And then, unfortunately, no Oliver Skip, uh, minor foot injury. Uh, unfortunately, saw him miss out. Certainly a bit of a blow for the player after missing so much football in 2022 so far. But I think what we did see from him out in South Korea is you know, he looks pretty much raring to go. Uh, yeah, he he was right at it in South Korea, two really good performances, and just the shame he wasn't involved against Rangers. Fingers crossed, we will see him against Roma this coming weekend.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's it's one of those classic training ground knocks. It's just on his foot. He got it on the Friday ahead of this of the game, um, so wasn't involved. Might be involved against Roma. But if not, they expect him to probably be fine for the start of the season. Yeah, there was a lot of hysteria when I kind of mentioned that he was injured. Um, I think people maybe confuse a long-ish in you know, injury absence with a he's always injured thing. You know, we're not talking about Eric Lamella, the poor guy who was out for 13 months. You know, Skippy was out for three and a half months with this pelvic injury, which mainly was because in hindsight they probably didn't deal with it in the way that ended up being the right way to deal with it. And that's all it was. That's not his fault. There's nothing he can do about that. Um, and other than that, yeah, he had the uh, broken Metatarsal and Norwich, the penultimate game of that previous season. So he missed one match with that. So, yeah. So he's had this three and a half month spell out. And I think because people were so frustrated because they felt he was coming back and then he wasn't, which was none, none none of his responsibility or fault whatsoever um, and then because he misses what thus far two games in, in friendly uh, in pre-season I think people are oh, some of the comments are on social media I had to I don't normally you know me I don't normally tweet kind of like saying what are you doing people things. but I just saw some of the tweets were like he's already finished his body can't handle the Premier League you know he's never going to be a proper player because his body can't handle it and you're like Poor kid. He's 21 years old. He had one injury, which technically wasn't even really a serious injury. It was just one that dragged on because it wasn't dealt with um, when it kind of probably should have been. Ended up needing a little minor surgery, which has fixed it completely. And, yeah, God, we've all been, you know, we've all played football matches where someone's kicked our foot or something and we've had a sore foot. It doesn't mean his body's broken. Um, so yeah, no, Skippy's gonna have a big season ahead. Conte is a big fan of Skippy, believes he can be one of the like the top uh Premier League midfielders out there. Um, incredible competition that midfield now. Basuma, like I say, although we saw him as more of a solid performance, when I watched him in a training match, um, in Korea, he was oh my goodness, the skills that guy's got. I think the Spurs put out a video of some of his skills, but just watching him in a match situation. Do you know what i know we used to say this was the hope for tongi uh, on dembele but i think Basuma has got some of the natural ability to hold on to that ball that we used to see in dembele um, i don't know strength wise uh, yeah probably does um, but i think i think almost he could end up being the natural heir to musa dembele in the uh, the months and years ahead which will be fascinating and then you got hoybier who he's had some iffy kind of halves on this tour uh, but clearly the amount of minutes he's getting would appear to indicate that Conte still sees him as his one of his generals and his starters because even like Bentacour came off at half time not Hoybier at Rangers Um uh, Hoybier's been getting like the hour or more marks in games which suggests he's starting against his old team next weekend um and that's it's probably it's a leadership thing as well and it was interesting when Basumo is it Basuma? No, when Perisic came on you could see him telling uh, this was at Ibrox, telling hoybier get up the pitch. He was saying he wants you up there. He wants you to really push forward in the second half. Um, so, yeah, and Skippy will only add to that. as Obviously, we know Harry Winks likely to head off. But, yeah, just to go back to what you were saying about the 24-man squad, it's so strong. No youngsters. And that's not only without those two injured players, but without Winks, on Ondembele, Reguilon. <laughs> it's just mad. You look at that, that's a 30-man senior squad now. Um, and that's not including all those young players that you've just spoken about. It's it's what Conte wanted, and he's getting it.
1: So, Roma this weekend in yeah. Israel. Uh, obviously, There's no you'll be. the
0: manager we know, apparently.
1: Yeah, Jose. Uh, you'll be jetting <laughs> off again. Uh, so, <laughs> again. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, you must, have, you must have spent most <laughs> of this month at the airport. So far, Uh,
0: certainly every weekend, every weekend I've been in a different country, which has been a very surreal experience.
1: Yeah, so I think with the Roma game, I think in an ideal scenario, you want to see a bit more from the new signings, uh, more game time. So it's only Richarlison who's had a good chunk of minutes in pre season so far. I presume we're getting 45 at Rangers. Uh, I think Perisic got half an hour or so. Long lay got about 20 minutes and Spence as well. So obviously they need to be given a few more minutes, but I suppose it depends on Conte's approach because I thought given it was a bit of a mix and match 11 against uh, Team K League and Sevilla, he'd pretty much do the same against Rangers. But no, he certainly took me by surprise and I think he will have done with a number of Tottenham fans Mm -hmm. in terms of, it was practically the 11 who finished last season, barring Sanchez coming in for Ben Davis. So whether he's going to go with that again, we'll have to wait and see. But given the lack of minutes for Longley, Spence, Bisouma, they need a bit more game time, you know, just to build up that understanding with uh, the Tottenham teammates, uh, because they're just going to need that going into the new season. And, Joe Roden as well, probably one of the unluckiest footballers he well. ever. Yeah, yeah he did. about
0: him. He did. He played well when he came
1: on. Yeah, he's just been so unlucky since he went to Spurs. Obviously, illness, leaving him out of South Korea uh, yeah. when he, he would have played in two games. Uh, I think he'll probably want a bit more game time. Doherty as well.
0: Definitely. Uh, uh,
1: but I think it probably will be a case of he'll go with his... his Near enough his strongest eleven again.
0: I yeah, think. if if I'm putting myself into his brain, which is a difficult thing to do because I'm nowhere near as football talented as as Antonio Conte, um, I think he's getting that team, the starting eleven, ready for that opening match against Southampton. I think we saw, like you say, we saw that against Southampton. Uh, sorry, Rangers. I'm not saying that entire eleven was starting, but he's definitely getting the key players in his mind that he thinks are going to start that Southampton game to the required level for a Premier League match. Um, and the, I think that would also indicate that these six... Um, Richarlison aside, because obviously he's got a fair bit of football now, um, but the six new signings, I think we're going to see them phased in over the weeks ahead. Um, it may even be the case... Whether even Perisic, um, you know, maybe he, maybe Sessignon starts against Southampton and Perisic uh, then starts to become a bit more of a regular within a couple of weeks just so they can get them up to speed. Um, I, I do feel that. I feel the Roma team, the team we're going to see against Roma is going to be there or thereabouts the team that we see against Southampton um obviously he'll he'll do the odd surprise, no doubt just to to mix it up so Southampton can't read him completely. The interesting one I think will be on the left of the back three because obviously Davinson Sanchez has been playing there every game with mixed success in the early games. He was like a um it was just like he was someone had flipped a switch on him against the uh, in the first two games, especially he was. He was like, it was a friendly and he was raging into tackles. He was so angry for some reason. Um, and yeah, so it'd be interesting to see this weekend whether, sorry, I should actually add the caveat. He was good against Rangers. He was. Sanchez, he, I thought he played quite well against Rangers. He dealt with a lot that came down that side. But it's not his natural position, that left side. So this that will be one key thing against Roma. Do we see Longley come in? Is he fit enough to, to get an hour under his belt in that position? To be fair, he had that whole week um, while Spurs were in Korea training away at Hotspur Way. They were working him quite hard, apparently. So if he's ready to come in, then, then you'd think he'll start there. But obviously, Sanchez is the fitter man. Like we say, the right wing back slot, that'll be a massive indicator, you'd think, as to who's going to play there. Um, and then, obviously, there'll, there'll be a little duel now between Richarlison and Kulisevsky, I think, and who uh, who gets the nod on the right-hand side of that front three. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's going to be... The, the who lines up is going to be almost as fascinating as what actually happens on the pitch itself and also probably what happens on the touchline and in the press conferences, because I'm really looking forward to seeing that little uh, managerial rivalry um, reignited, because I cannot imagine... Jose Mourinho is going to be able to not talk about Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> and his time there. Um yeah, it'd be interesting. We're we're trying to work out the logistics of of being able to get to best, both press conferences. Um so that you know we have a bit of UK journalist representation in it. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting few days.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely going to say something because he did the last time he was in the UK when Roma played Leicester in the Conference yeah. League semi-finals. I think he had a a couple of pops, did this they sir? Yeah, he's bound to have something up his sleeve.
0: Which to be fair, I think he's, he's probably, it's fair enough. You know, if you're a man who wins trophies galore and you're dispensed with, what, six days before a cup final, I can completely understand why he's going to be a little bit, not, well, sort of bitter in a way, but, you know, have a have a thing or two to say about the scenario. So, uh yeah, that's going to be a fascinating. And also, to see the backing that Conte's had in having six players in before, you know, the friendlies have even finished. I'd be intrigued to know what he thinks about that.
1: Right. Before we get into more at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Ali, obviously we're sponsored by NordVPN now. Do you want to just tell us the benefits about using them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I've used NordVPN in the past. Um, People that listen to this know that I have, uh, certainly on... Previous pre-season tours, they've come in very helpful to be able to head abroad and uh, be able to still essentially sign in as if you're at home. Because the point of these uh, virtual private networks is that you're able to be wherever you want to be, despite wherever you are. It's a very interesting thing. So you can, let's say, still be able to watch you know, your apps from home and, and things like that and use them as if you're at home because you can set your phone to being back in the UK while you're in a different country. And and you can use it, I think, just, just mainly for security as well and, and keeping everything safe on your phone. It's a very, uh, or your laptops or whatever you use it for, tablets. It's a very secure way to operate in a world where unfortunately people seem intent on and taking our information as much as they can and things. Um so yes, I am certainly someone that has used NordVPN in the past before uh, before they became our sponsors. Um, now we've been very fortunate with Nord as well in that respect. They they sponsored our tour to Korea, South Korea. They're sponsoring this podcast now for for the foreseeable months. Um, and yeah, it just so happens that I was using them anyway beforehand, so I'm able to speak about um, what a very handy uh outfit they are and uh, and certainly it's it's an app I've got on my phone um which certainly with all the traveling has come very helpful as well and uh from what I understand from other people it's not something I do but obviously you can you can watch various things uh from other countries as well um you know be, whether that be sports movies whatever it is you choose to do because obviously your tablet or phone can believe it's in a, another country because of um, the rerouting of it all via the uh, the VPN so yeah it's a, it's a very cool service um and uh, yes at the end of this then guest is going to tell you how you can get a discount on it as well so uh, yeah nord vpn we're very happy to have them on board as our sponsors
1: Right, there was some good news at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Monday with Ben Davis signing a new three-year contract to the club that takes him to the summer of 2025. If he manages to see out that deal, that'll be 11 years in N17. And for a player who certainly divided the opinion of fans in the past, perhaps someone who's not truly appreciated by many, you know, pre-Antonio Conte, I mean, that's... Some going, if he can do 11 years in North London, I think it's fully deserved. This new contract, I think, has been absolutely outstanding in the back three. He's still been able to, you know, get forward, given what Conte wants from his uh, players in the back three. And he's just delivered some towering performances. I think the one what probably sticks out is Liverpool towards the end of the season, what helped him get the point. What they put towards getting in the top four. And, you know, he's done the same on international duty for Wales and helped them uh, qualify for the World Cup at the end of this year. And, you know, I think a lot of Tottenham fans now are probably seeing what such a good player Ben Davis is. And he certainly deserves all the plaudits he's getting and certainly the new contract as well. And I think you'll certainly agree with that assessment.
0: Yeah, definitely. There are players in football that sometimes fans don't quite get, but managers adore. And I think Ben Davies is one of these. You speak to any of Ben Davies' managers, whether it's a club level, international level, and they will say he is just a hugely important player for them. Um for the you know maybe the younger crowd perhaps maybe those who you know like their FIFA and their Football Manager and things like that he's he's not one of the players you know you're probably going to buy on games like that and, and stuff like that and I get that he's not a headline maker but what he is he's an incredibly consistent player um, and sometimes having a player who's always going to be a seven point five sometimes an eight out of ten every single week for you um, can be much more important than someone that can be a an eight or a nine or a ten. But then other weeks can be a four or five or a six kind of thing, Um, and he's a big, experienced voice now in the dressing room. He's a very clever guy, Um, and I think Conte's kind of remoulding him into his Aspilacuta figure has been just a massive change for him. I think I go as far to say, as as a left back, I think he was, yeah, solid and dependable, no frills, but maybe. Was never going to be first choice in that role, whereas I think as a left-sided centre back, especially this kind of left-sided centre back, which is a bit different from Wales' role, it's more, it's got more of an attacking responsibility as well. I think in this Azpilicueta role, he's got, he has got the chance, especially this season up against Longley, he's got the chance to make it his own. Um, he was superb at times last season. Like I say, I think he moved up from that 7.5 player. Definitely, I remember us, both of us, giving him in our ratings, getting eights and nines and things like that in quite a few games. remember that Leeds match when he sprinted back after Lurie's had made a bit of a blunder. I think Sess got to the line, but it was um, Davies who made the block. Was it on Dallas, I think? It was Stuart Dallas, yeah. 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 He made a terrific block in front of an almost open goal. Um, he's just been superb and this is so richly deserved. Um, it's such a cliche, but you need players like Ben Davies in your squad. You do. You just you need players like that that you can turn to rely. and rely on. Even you know, I remember Mourinho when Davies was playing on with an injury for him, and he's just like, you know, that's you know, that's my guy kind of thing. You know, that's 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 what you want from your players, you know. It wasn't any good for him medically. (laughs) He then ended up missing uh, a fair few weeks. But ultimately, he's a guy that will do everything possible for Tottenham Hotspur. He puts his body on the line every single week. He never complains. Even when he was second choice to Danny Rose or Sergio Reguilon, he would never, ever complain. He would just get his head down, fight hard, and try to get his place back. You know, When they had those matches where it was an entirely different second 11 playing in Europe, other players, you could tell they weren't happy to be there. Davies still gave everything, um, and you just can't quantify that. that. That that's not that's not a stat you can find on FIFA. You know, <laughs> you, you can't find that with a player like that. It's uh, it's so important, and uh, now I'm delighted for him. He's um, a very good player, and um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he's like a, a future manager as well. I wouldn't be stunned if it is his career will bring that in the future as well. Maybe at Tottenham. Maybe one day, you and I, with very grey hair and beards, would be in a podcast talking about Ben Davies, Tottenham manager. Um, Yeah, obviously looking far too forward into his future. But uh, yeah, I I think it's no secret that I like Ben Davies a lot. He's a good guy on and off the pitch and an important player for this Tottenham squad.
1: I think whilst all eyes are on transfer, incomings and outgoings at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at the moment, I think Fabio Paratici and Daniel Levy and Conte as well need to be having a look at the current contracts and extending a few. Eric Dyer has two years left on his contract, did sign fresh terms pretty much two years ago. Uh, I think it was July 2020, so I think he's someone... Spurs need to look at Troy Parrott's contract has been extended this week, and then you're looking at Harry Kane as well. His contract expires 2024. I think that's certainly the next player all Tottenham fans want to see put pen to paper on the, a new deal.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Eric Dyer, you'd imagine, will get done. You know, Conte is a, is a big fan of his. Um, he's very happy at Tottenham as well, and you'd imagine that one. The, the interesting thing with Spurs as well is they've got this funny way of when they announce contracts, sometimes they include the option for another year within the years. So we've had that with Lucas Moore and Joe Roden. Um, I think the same was with Musa Sissoko when he signed his way back. Everyone kind of just assumed it actually ended a year before they said it did because they had that option. Sometimes they do it the other way. So we don't know whether maybe Eric Dyer's got another year's option as well. We we don't exactly know how that works. One player I think we know that doesn't is Harry Kane. Um, So the thing with Harry Kane, from what I understand, um, his camp haven't had an offer yet from Spurs. I think there's an expectation from all sides that that'll be coming. There will be an offer coming. And what is probably the most important thing is from what I understand, is is Harry Kane is open to having talks over a new contract. And that just shows how far we've come, I think, in a year. Um, And, you know, we were saying this earlier about how sharp he is on the pitch. Last year, because of everything that was happening, it took him a while to get going. Obviously, Nuno's tactics, I don't think, helped him, but it did take him a while to get going with his goal scoring. And we saw a a kind of a different Harry Kane at the start of last season. Whereas this year, it's a very different one. And, And, you know, we reported way back in May that if Spurs showed the ambition that matched his this summer and obviously kept Conte and brought in exciting players, then he would be open to talks. And here we are at the end of July. They've done all of the above. Conte is still the manager and, and very happy as well. They've brought in players. We spoke to Kane out in Korea, and he was excited about the signings. He, he was saying that you know they've brought in some big names and they've moved quickly. So, yeah, with all of that, from what I understand, he is open to, to starting these talks over a new deal. So I think it will be a natural thing. I think it will have to be a big deal, of course, as one of the world's best players. I think if there's anything that takes a little while, it will be the scale of the deal because it will have to be probably the biggest contract Spurs have ever given out in their history to anyone. Um, and obviously the length of it will be another thing as well. But for me it's still a no-brainer because I think the way Harry Kane plays, even if the little bit of acceleration he has goes, I think he'll end up being a Teddy Sheringham type. That I don't think he'll lose a lot to his game at all. I think he'll be able to play, what is he, turns 29 tomorrow, I think it is. I think it might even be Thursday. I think it might be the 28th. So, yeah, I think he turns 29 there. I genuinely think he could be playing... 35 36 he could be one of those players as long as injuries don't play a role i think his game isn't reliant you know it's not like a like a michael owen back in the day you know he's not reliant on pace so it's one of those where i think if there's anyone that should get a long-term deal as spurs even as they're you know only a year away from 30 i think it is harry kane um yeah just get it done, get it done, can you imagine, you know, you have all these contract reveal videos, and all this sort of stuff, oh my goodness, the Kane ones is going to be off the chart, I remember the last one, didn't they do it on the the new stadium, uh, while they were building the stadium, it was on the screens, or something, that was his reveal video, I feel like something like that, and the year was on it, 2024, you know, wouldn't it be great if we saw something like, I don't know, 2028, or something like that, and the, the, so, something cool, but uh, yeah, definitely get that done. Sonny obviously was got a new one last summer. Um, you do wonder with his progression whether he ends up getting a new one as well in the coming year, uh, you know, 12 months or so. But uh, yeah, get the Harry Kane one done. If all parties want it to happen, hopefully, we won't be looking that long. I know, yeah, they've had a busy summer, we'll give them that. They've been doing a fair bit, and the focus, no doubt, is also on still getting players out the door as well. but yeah get get the harry kane contract done i say
1: i mean if they could get that done sooner rather than later then what a summer for the club oh yeah but,
0: best summer ever do you think for tottenham well yeah certainly in modern but, era
1: well you just have to see how the season goes because 2 years ago everyone was raving it's a 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 transfer window obviously with yeah. bale coming back and all, all the signings and then you know nine months down the line Spurs didn't finish in the top four, so you've just got to see how it goes, but everything is looking good at the moment. Yeah. Right. Moving on to a future Tottenham striker, Troy Parrott this week. On Monday, he has joined Championship side Preston North End on a season-long loan deal. Uh, he's had a number of interest in him. I think we reported Middlesbrough, QPR and Swansea City. We're all looking after him after such a good year, On loan at MK Don's uh, last campaign. I think this is a terrific move for both parties. Just looking at it, he's going to a club who play really, really good football, very similar to, MK Dons, in terms of it's a, a possession-based team who want to play that attacking football. The system's slightly different, but they do operate with a three-man defence and wing-backs. It's going to work under Ryan Lowe, uh, who was a striker himself in the EFL, had a number of clubs. Uh, really, really good striker back in the day, so obviously you can learn from him, take tips from him, because he'll, he'll know what to do. And then you've got... Cameron Archer, the young Aston Villa forward, was at Preston last year. Enjoyed a really, really good loan spell. I think it was seven goals and one assist in 20 games for them. And Preston, in the first few months of last season, did struggle. Uh, But when Ryan Lowe came in, I think it was the start of November, They only lost six games after that from then until the end of the season. So Preston, for me, I think might be one of the dark horses for the playoffs. So I think it's a really, really good move for Parrot. And, you know, if everything does click, hopefully he can replicate what he did for MK Dons, but get a few more goals. And I think what also is going to help him, there's a bit of an Irish connection there as well. Alan Brown, Preston captain, plays for the Republic of Ireland, Robbie Brady, Sean Maguire as well, two players who he knows from international duty also there so fingers crossed he'll be able to you know settle into life at deep tail very quickly they do actually start their season this weekend against wigan away so yeah i think for both clubs this could be a really really good move
0: yeah yeah it's it's a terrific one we kind of got wind of it up in glasgow because obviously he wasn't part of the tour squad um and yeah, we knew that the, the loan move and the uh, new contract was on the way and that Preston appeared to be the team he was heading to. And yeah, so he went up there for his medical on, was the Monday, all done pretty quickly. Uh, like you say, quite an Irish influence in that squad, which is good for him as well. There's about three or four players in there. Um I don't think fitness-wise he'll have any issues in being ready for the start of the season. He was one of the fittest players out there in Korea. You know, we saw those pitch-long runs and certainly the very last one that I saw on the Monday, he was leading the way in the 42nd pitch-long run. Uh, so he would be absolutely fine. I had a really good one-to-one chat with him out in Korea um, about kind of where he's going with his career and the moment last season when it just all clicked for him. And he just he just had one of those moments where he just had to decide exactly how good he wanted to be, where his career was going to go, and what it required to be a senior pro, I think. And he just, I think he sat down, from what I gather, I think he sat down with some important people in his life, and yeah, he did, he figured it all out. And we saw that MK Don, the second half of the season, he was phenomenal. He was a major component of them making the playoffs. Some of the goals he was scoring was just ridiculous. Um, he's, He told me he's been really working on his upper body strength, his hold-up play as well. He says that Kane and Sonny, whenever he's asked them for advice, they're always full of pointers and help for him as well. So, yeah, you can't learn from two better players, really, than them on the training ground. And now he's going to take that to a team, like you say, who are clearly very good at bringing on young players on loan as well, as we've seen with Archer. So it is, you know, it's another, I'm going to use the term, no-brainer again, because it really is. It just makes sense on so many levels. And, you know, we reported this way back that uh, in the summer that the plan, Troy Parrott's plan was always go away, have another year on loan, really make yourself a striker ready to challenge in the Tottenham squad in the following summer and that looks to be the the, the plan is being seen through he wants to be a number nine rather than a number 10 that he was at MK Dons and I think by the looks of it at Preston I think he'll play in a strike pairing which is again slightly different to what he was doing at MK Dons and that will give him another bit of experience in, in terms of uh crafting a partnership with someone on a football pitch um, and I think he needs this second crack at the championship because his Millwall loan obviously wasn't great. It didn't fit very well. Millwall were having a tough time as well. It wasn't the perfect partnership there, but I think yeah, he's got everything about him to really push on the season. People forget he's only twenty. Again, I know social media should never ever be read as a indicator of <laughs> logical thinking at times, but I've seen people on there writing him off. he debated it. He'd have made it by now, at twenty. You know, he'd have been a Premier League player. It's like, as a Spurs fan, you should have no better example of why that's not true than Harry Kane. <laughs> He's like the perfect example of never taking that point of view. Because obviously we know the amount of loans he had. You, more than anyone, you've gone to all his previous clubs and spoken to players who played with Harry Kane on his loans. And you know that it's just like a slower burning process sometimes with young players. So yeah, I think Troy Parrott and... You know, he's not a small lad. That was the interesting thing. I think standing next to him, one to one, talking to him, you know, I think when you see him on the pitch, maybe you think he's a little shorter than he is. But he's with with, as he bulks up, he's going to be a strong unit as a striker. I think he is going to have Harry Kane's kind of similar physique. I think Um, he's got everything about him. His skills are, uh, his technique is unquestionable. He's got such great technique. His finishing is superb. If he has the season that I think he's going to have, I think he will come back next year and I think he will be pushing to be part of uh, Tottenham and hopefully Conte's squad.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the Championship was always going to have to be his next part of call after his time at MK Dons. and I know Tottenham haven't always got things right in the loan market with picking the perfect club for the players, but this one does seem to be a move that does suit all parties so we'll certainly be keeping an eye on Troy over the course of the season and I think there'll be quite a few more players who head out on loan before the deadline on the 1st of September right we'll call it a day for this episode of Golden Guest Tottenham we will be back next week to reflect on the Roma game and then also look ahead the new Premier League season with Southampton first up at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. As ever keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee.